0: I'm laughing because my walk up here is not an act. But you'll understand, you'll understand the the, uh, significance of how I was walking in a little bit. Uh, I'm a teacher uh, at North Central High School. (laughs) Yeah, we got one there. I was waiting. I was waiting for the uh, applause or something, the response. Um, So I'm a teacher. Uh, I'm a father of uh, three grown children. Uh, I've been a coach for a long time, and I just resigned uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and I've uh, been a track coach. And so I thought, first of all, that it was very appropriate that, uh, and I've been a runner my whole life, which I'll talk about later, but uh, that they honored me with a picture of me on the front. Did you guys like that? <laughs> That's my son, Daniel. He said, hey, Dad, they got a picture of you on the front. In fact, including the um, the biceps and, and uh, <laughs> muscles, it, it shows it perfectly, okay, so... Just put a hat on and you got me. Now, you may be wondering, first of all, um, how did I get chosen? What is it that qualifies me? And some of you probably are thinking, well, obviously, your good looks. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be funny. Um, or, or maybe my intelligence. Uh, but actually, there's something that if you have been here for a while, you would recognize that this, there are actually two things. They qualify, one probably tops the other, that qualifies people to speak. You just won't find people coming up here and speaking um, if they don't have these. And I'm talking about the pastors, I'm talking about other people. Asher, Asher, wave your hand. Asher spoke a few weeks ago, I list, listened to the podcast, this Is very good, about the same thing, you stole what I was going to talk about, but who cares, I'm going to talk about it anyway, okay? because the church needs to hear it. And so, um, so, so the two qualifications, number one, you have to have lost most of your hair. Rob, Russ, uh, Kevin, Asher. I mean, just across the board, it just works. (laughs) And the other thing is you have to, well, it qualifies most of us, you have to really like soccer, which made it very tough this morning to leave. Does anybody know what's happening right now? Who said that? US US woman. He's speaking next week. (laughs) He's going to need to shave his head, I think. So I'm missing that. I'm upset about that, U.S. and Brazil. I've been following the World Cup soccer. I really like that. Uh, So that qualifies me. And that alone, and maybe being a small group leader and being here for a while, uh, it's also kind of scary when you're up here uh, because, uh, well, I'm more scared for the uh, pastors because they really don't know what I'm going to say, you know. And there's this kind of a part of me. You know, I teach high school, and I know what a high school kid would be thinking how long can I say really horrible things before they pull the, the mic away from me, you know? And I was thinking about that this morning. Um, but um, I want to challenge you, um, not so much to listen to me. I'm going to get through it. Uh, I love speaking about the Lord. I've been teaching uh, science for 28 years. And I know it's, uh, teaching the periodic table is really exciting, but after 28 years, it just gets kind of old, you know? I'm sorry, but it just is. It is so much more fun to talk about the Lord. And, and I've had chances over the years to do this not all the time. I, would, I was thinking about it the other day. I think I would rather talk about the Lord, I'd rather preach on a Sunday service than, like, go to Hawaii, have a trip to Hawaii. Um, unfortunately, Russ didn't give me the option. Um, when he asked me, he just gave me this option, so I'm taking this one. Um, but I really, I really would, I believe. Um, now, how many of you have ever heard, oh, um, actually, let's pray, because um, I want to ask, the Lord, not so much to um, help me get through it and, and say good things, but, but to help um, you hear from God. I really don't want you to listen to me. Now, that's totally opposite from what I tell my students. I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to God. I believe um, there is a special anointing that can be on preaching, on, on, on speaking the word of God and the word of God itself that can pierce your heart and can do a work in you. And that's what, that's what hopefully you came for. So let's prepare our hearts let's pray real quick. Father, I just ask for our ears and our hearts that we would hear what your spirit says, God, despite whatever I say or don't say, God, that you would speak the message that would go down, that would be transformational in us. Amen. Um, I heard a pastor uh, say something a few years, actually a long time ago, that I was, um, was really kind of, uh, well, well stuck in my heart, stuck in my mind. How many of you have ever heard something that you never forgot? One statement that you never forgot, and it wasn't because you liked it so much, but because you didn't like it, and you weren't sure you agreed with it. We're going to project that statement up here. And this is what he said. He said, don't trust anyone who does not walk with a limp. I'd like you to say that with me. Do not trust anyone who does not walk with a limp. Now, at that time when I heard it, I wasn't sure I agreed with that, you see, because I was 25 years old. Any 25-year-olds are under? Okay, now normally in the school year time, it's almost everybody raises their hand. Um, in fact, people have come up to me that I've never met before I, and during the greeting time, and I meet them, and they say, are you a pastor? I think it's because I don't have any hair, and they figure, the guy's old, he must be a pastor in this church. Uh, and so I heard this, and, and the statement bothered me because it implies to me that Maturity and wisdom only comes from falling and failing and having visible scars from those mistakes. And When you're 25, you don't really like to hear that. You see, because when I was 25, um, I had just graduated from college. I had my first job. Um, I was married to uh, (laughs) a wife. (laughs) I was married to a beautiful, dynamic um, woman who was um, uh, uh, amazing, and she worshipped the ground I walked on, or so I thought at the time. <laughs> um, I was full of faith. I was full of hope. I was full of answers to nearly every question. And I'd seen God do miraculous things in my life and around me. And my two, uh, two of my favorite verses were, one was, The eyes of the Lord move back and forth throughout the whole earth, looking to strongly support the one whose heart is completely his. And I was going to be that guy. Another verse. was the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. Yeah! Now that appeals to some personalities, to people like my wife. She said, I don't like that verse, but I like that verse. I was a scripture memorizing, faith-talking, spirit-filled, street-witnessing, prayer, prayer warrior. i have been born again, sanctified, baptized in water, washed by the blood, was forgiven, redeemed, and was a disciple of Christ. And Jesus had promised that the gates of hell would not prevail that he was going to build his church, and I was going to be on the front lines when that happened, amen. That's at twenty-five. I even told—I <laughs> told my fiance this is a true story. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I told my fiance that she was going to read about me someday in the paper. <laughs> two things are amazing about that. Number one, she married me anyway. <laughs> Number two, within a couple of years. I was on the front page of the newspaper, honestly, for being arrested. But that's another story, and you could just let your mind wander, what was that about? (laughs) So you might think I was proud, but the reality was I was proud. Not the kind of pride um, that you think that you're better than everybody, but the kind of pride that you think you and God, you plus God, is the majority. The kind of pride that you think that, That right makes might. The kind of pride that thinks that if you just do it right and obey God, then everything you touch is going to turn to gold because you're on God's side. The kind of pride that makes you more concerned about God blessing what you're doing than you blessing what God is doing. And that's the kind of pride um, that I had in my life. Now, I found out, though, in the last 25 years that God is seems to be more intent, as I heard somebody say, and I wasn't sure I agreed with this, but it seems like this is the way it's worked. He's been more intent on winning all of me than me winning all of the world. God has progressively allowed me to experience failure and rejection in almost every area that I was passionate about, that I cared deeply about. And then I had confidence in Particularly the last few years, I've been hammered with attacks on my character, my faith, spiritual pow- uh, my spiritual authority, competence at work, effectiveness as a parent, and my physical ability. Now, God has blessed me immensely in so many areas and used me to do some pretty cool things. But at the same time, almost every dream I had, at a big part of that dream was broken, and it was, it was, it was hammered. One of the first things that was kind of hammered was losing my hair. But think about without that happening, I would not be up here today. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so there's, there's value in even those things. Um, but the last attack is not the most difficult at all, really, but it's kind of symbolic. And I want you to think about this, not so f- feel sorry so much about what has happened, but to think about this as a metaphor for, for what this quote is and for what I've been going through. Uh, it's an attack on my body. Now, you've got to realize that I've always been thin and, um, and was, um, was an athlete. Uh, in fact, I was born the son of a coach. Uh, and we, uh, I grew up, uh, when I was six years old, I went to a track camp. I ran my first mile when I was four years old in a race, honestly. I broke the American record at the age of six. True. Beating all the other six-year-olds that had been timed and the six-year-olds who hadn't been chasing butterflies during the race. You know, so <laughs> I know that's not saying much. I went on to break several other national records, including the 220-year-old, nine-year-old race walk. I, that record will never be broken, because nobody else did it after that year. They just disbanded the event. It was so dumb. But <laughs> I still have that record, as far as I know. To my knowledge, um, I was a runner and a wrestler in high school, and I always felt that if I had the same talent, I could beat anybody I went up against. That was just in me. I just thought that with the success that I had. Uh, but more than anything, I had a special gift. And I'm just, uh, it may be bragging, maybe boasting, I'm just going to let you know. I had a special gift. Um, some would call it a calling. In fact, um, if you've ever seen the movie Mystery Man, you'll, you'll appreciate this that, like one of the superheroes in the movie Mystery Man, I had the ability to shovel. And I'm talking shoveling like the wind. Shoveling snow especially. Uh, And because of that ability, shoveling the last few winters when it has been really deep, heavy snow, I've loved it. I've just taken it with pride and with a sense of this is the one thing that I know that I can do well. (laughs) And I've always believed that snow blowers, I'm sorry to some of you who might offend you, snow are for sissies. <laughs> <laughs> Roman shovel. Um, and last year, um, I first of all, I got plantar fasciitis in my feet, which my wife now, now has, I guess it's contagious. Um, and for the first time for 40 years, I couldn't run, I couldn't um, exercise a lot, uh, and then I got soon after that. I got um, a artery in my heart completely filled up uh, 100%. In fact, um, it probably they probably would have had open heart sur- surgery if they got to it a couple days later. But uh, they were able to get to it, and put a stent in it, which totally shocked me. Me, and my wife, who's a dietitian uh, for the cardiac rehab center at Deaconess, feel really bad. Embarrassed her. Um, um, and then um, got over that. And then, this winter, I somehow injured my bike, uh, back. I don't even know how I did I got a herniated disc now that's really, really bad. And, uh, and they are worried about it, um, causing me to begin to have to walk around like dragging my foot. And so, uh, so I, I have that. And then, this spring, I f- my heart started bothering me again. And I went in, and they found out that a different artery had completely filled up with a huge blood clot and took three stints to put it in there. So here's this guy who's run all my life, been active all my life. Eaten with a dietitian most of my life, and uh, and suddenly I can't. Uh, I'm on blood thinner so they can't do surgery for the back. I have, because of my back, I can't do exercise for my heart. And and when we went into the doctor, the cardiologist recently. The cardiologist is bad when a doctor says, "I don't know what I'm going to do with you." When he's discouraged, he doesn't know how he's going to prevent me from having a heart attack. I I don't know. Um, God has preserved my heart; it's still working fine. But um, I've got these other problems. I can't do surgery for six months to, to a year on my back. Therefore, it's difficult to run, um, to walk. Uh, and, um, and more than anything else, I, 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 I'm basically a mess. But the, the bottom line is that the most troubling thing, of course, is that I can't shovel. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was like something out of a horror movie the other day. I thought, this winter, I may have to get a snowblower. (laughs) See, God has a sense of humor, and he's been after me. Um, And now I walk with a limp. Trust me. (laughs) Trust me, I do. So this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at the purpose of pain. Asher talked a couple weeks ago out of Habakkuk about the purpose of pain. And we're going to keep hammering that, and I think it may be because the body of Christ here in this church has been experiencing a, 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 an inordinate amount of pain and tragedy and hardship. It's been, it seems it's been hammering my wife and I. And like I said, the thing about the, the, uh, my body has been one of the minor issues uh, of, uh, regarding this. Um, so we're going to look at this. Have you ever figured out by now that the Christian life is marked with a lot of pain and hardship? How many have found that out yet by now? Um, Lewis. C.S. Lewis had this, if we can project that. He said, I did not go to religion to make me happy. I knew, always knew a bottle of port would do that. <laughs> if you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Now, we're going to talk about uh, really one reason for pain. I'm going to give you several others just to kind of outline so we cover some of the ground. One is we live in a sinful, fallen world. There is uh, pain in this world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble but faint not because I have overcome the world. So we live in a sinful world. There's going to be pain, there's going to be tragedy, there's going to be hardship simply because of that. Second, we are, um, as Christians, we are under special attack. We are under special attack. We are marked. Jesus said, as the world has hated me, so uh, so the, the world will hate you. We are under attack. Some of our pain, some of our, our hardship is because of attack. Some of it is because we just live in a fallen, sinful, <laughs> sinful world. And part of it, the third thing, is because of our own sin, because of choices we 've made that led to consequences down the road that have caused us to harden our hearts, have caused us to break relationships, have caused us to to uh, be uh, be disciplined in some ways because of our sin, and so we could talk about any of those areas, and I thought of another one in simply for the glory of God. theres the one uh, man that the disciples asked, uh, you know why is this person experiencing this?" Is it because of his sin or someone's else? And he says, no, it's for the glory of God. And then he proceeded to heal him. So perhaps some of the things is for the glory of God. But I want to talk about a third um, reason. Uh, or a f- I guess it's a fifth now. Um, a fifth reason. And we're going to project the scripture. If you can open up your Bible to uh, John 15, 1 to 5. If you want to use your Bible, you can read it on the board, on the, uh, the wall. This, I believe, is another reason. Now I... Um, I took the liberty to uh, take, uh, and it may be one through uh, eight. I guess it's one through eight. I um, took the liberty to kind of uh, leave some verses out for some uh, uh, efficiency. So, um, so let's just kind of read this with me. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Um, he cuts down every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, and it may be even more fruitful. And no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine and you're the branches. He, um, the man. If a man remains in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we're going to walk through several things in this. The final reason that this all is about to me is this issue, at least the thing I'm going to talk about is this issue of pruning. God is after something in our lives that is about bearing fruit. And so there's several things about this. First of all, um, if we don't bear any fruit in our lives, then we are taken away. That there is a call on us, not just to make a confession once, but a call to have fruit born. But the other thing is that it's not something that is uh, um, our responsibility or under our own power. In fact, he makes it very clear that unless you abide in him, you cannot bear any fruit. You cannot bear fruit by yourself. And I think a lot of the discipline uh, that the Lord has done in my life, a lot of the pruning has simply been because I've had enough reliance on myself with asking for God to put a stamp of approval on it. Do You know what I mean? Asking for God to bless it, but really in my heart, I wanted to serve God, but really so much of my orientation was to, was to do what I thought I could do, and hopefully that he would bless it. And God is determined that he's not going to allow us to continue to bear fruit if it's of ourselves, amen? He is determined that he want, he's going to have us be fruit bearers, but on his terms, and that is independence in him. Um, the uh, second thing is that he wants us to be more fruitful. I think it's so powerful that the, uh, the reward for bearing fruit is pruning. Because wherever le- whatever level you're at in terms of fruit bearing, God has called you to a greater level. He has such a higher level of, of production of uh, work in your life and in moving and influencing other people that what you have seen so far, in fact, Jesus even said it this way. He said, the work that I have done, greater works will you do. What a powerful statement. Somehow, in some way, God was promising to the church that greater works would be done through us. Greater fruit. But there is a condition for that, and that is this idea of pruning. So God is going to allow us to grow through pruning. So I want to talk about that this morning. What is pruning, and how does it work in our lives? Because some of you have gone through a tremendous pruning recently. Some of you are going through pruning right now, and some of you maybe have not gone through much pruning, but believe me, sorry to say, you will. And it's because God loves you, and he wants to see that great fruit. In fact, at the very end, he says um, that... Bearing much fruit, not just some fruit, but much fruit is proof that we are his disciples. That's proof positive that we are his disciples if we're bearing much fruit. So a couple things about pruning. First of all, pruning, I've never been a tree before or a plant. But I'm assuming if you were a plant, pruning hurts. Pruning hurts. How many of you ever pruned a tree or pruned a a plant? Pruning has got to hurt. There were nerves, you know. You don't like, hey, hey, yeah, take a little more off. Ooh, nice. It hurts, and uh, and that's that's one thing about it. It hurts. The other thing is it doesn't make much sense. My father, who's here, had an orchard, Walters Fruit Ranch. You ever been to Walters Fruit Ranch? Yeah. So uh, so he had this orchard, still named after him, uh, and. And so he, in the early days when he was learning how to prune, it was really hard for him. Because my father is the kind of person, he helps me coach. And any kid that can walk, you know, halfway, he he sees potential in. And so as he goes to look at this apple tree with all these branches, like, that could could have a lot of apples. No, that, eh." it took him a while, I think.